Luke chapter 12, I just want to um, share, still continuing on the 21-day challenge, but I touched on something first service and everybody was so quiet that I felt everybody in covenant understood it. So maybe I will just zero in more on that. But we have in Luke chapter 12 here, verse 22, and he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for your body, what you shall put on. When it says take no thought, it's not saying don't think about it at all. I mean, you must think about what you're going to wear. But he's talking about anxious or anxiety or anxious thought. Or getting worried over those things. That life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. That consider the ravens, for they sow not, neither do they reap, which neither have storehouses nor burn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than they? And which of you, with taking thought, deploying that as the strategy, can add it to his stature one cubit. If then you are not able why take a thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. So here it tells us to consider, examine, look at the principle behind it. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothed the grass which today is in the field, tomorrow is cast, in heaven, cast into oven, how much more won't he clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that you have need of these things. Now it tells us your father, first thought I want to, uh, your father knoweth that you have need of these things. Now when it tells us, all right, our father knows that we have need of these things, what is the implication of that particular statement? That your father knoweth you have need of these things. If you put up 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Now, the love of God is the nature of God, and God is saying, if a person responds to somebody that he knows is in need this way, how can that person say, which means the person has shut up a natural inclination or compassion inside him that will drive him towards helping that person, he will deliberately have to silence that particular voice to restrain himself from helping his brother that has a genuine lady in his life, he says, I'll dwell at the love of God. Now, if God says this, 
that how can the Father know what we have need of? Ezekiel is telling us that if he is not in motion to do something about it, then he is shutting up from us his bowels of compassion and denying, all right, who he really is. So the first thing we've got to understand is that God knows what we have need of, and that knowledge means that he is aware, and so he must be moving in that. He says, this is, I will demonstrate my care for you in addressing all of those issues. However, what he therefore asks us to do, knowing that, he has us covered in that, and what shows the process is that, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, Matthew gives its own account of what Jesus said there, and we've taught that everything that Jesus is recorded by one other writer of the gospel, it's important you read what others say about it to have the full picture. Matthew in chapter 6 and verse 33 said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So Matthew adds the word righteousness to what you should seek for. The word righteousness there, we'll talk about kingdom, but the word righteousness there means justice in our dealings. Equity there. We saw last week, that God said about Abraham that I know him and God said seeing he is going to be a great man and the reasons why God gave that Abraham was going to be great was that God said I know him and I know he will instruct his children and his entire household in the way of God and what was that way to keep judgment and justice, he said that I might bring upon Abraham all that I have said concerning him. So God says that Abraham, the reason why he's going to become a great nation, the reason why massive things are going to happen in his life, God had this meeting in heaven and said, seen, all right, we can see clearly that Abraham is going to become a great nation, and he said, for, there's the reason, he will instruct his household in the way of God to keep two things, judgment and justice. Now, judgment there, all right, now let's put up Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 3. All right, let's start from verse 1, Proverbs 1, 1. This is the reason why the entire book of Proverbs was written. Proverbs 1, 1 says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Now, verse 3 explains it. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity. So, the instruction of wisdom is justice, is judgment and equity there. So in our dealings there, there is judgment. Judgment means doing the right thing, uh, making the, uh, the judgment calls, which means that you understand that you have got to allow God 
Uh, this is a person that knows judgment, that he understands he is under the government of God. And so the fact that something seems right or appealing to him or her doesn't mean he should follow through on it. He needs to talk to God about that particular thing there. Even David, when they had come in and they went to battle and came back, Philistines are taking everything. The Bible says he wanted everything back, but he still went to God. He restrained himself, understanding that there is judgment here, and asked God, should we go up against him? So there is judgment. And then justice is the way in which you go about things. Right? A quick about being fair with people. Justice is the way you go about things. That you, the way you do things. Uh, the way you administer things there. That it's, it's there with justice. And this is important. And Jesus was saying the kingdom and following through on this issue of justice in your dealings. Uh, the way in which you interact. You should seek all right, development in that area. Growing every day in the knowledge of, all right, what is just in the eyes of God. Our New Testament for that was that Paul prayed in Philippians 1, I think verse, verse 10, they talked about that your love might abound more and more in all knowledge and judgment that you may, all right, be approve things that are excellent. So it's about approving things that are excellent. Being sincere and without offense. So that's about righteousness. And Jesus said, uh, seek that out. That you approve more and more. There is growth there. In uh, approving things that are excellent. In carrying out things within your life. And, and I could want to touch on the importance of this word righteousness here. Last week we looked at this. How it affects spiritual things. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. And we saw how the way a man treats his wife can hinder, all right, or cause his prayers to be effective. And he says, likewise, you husbands dwell with them, those wives there, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. Which means that you treat the wife with honor and respect. And you don't, you know, you don't, you know, in, in public or somebody talk down and all of that with honor. And then he says, as unto the weaker vessel. Now, this word weaker here doesn't mean that a woman is spiritually weaker than a man, because the Bible says in Christ, there is neither male nor female. Neither does it mean that she is mentally or intellectually weaker than a man. We don't need to quote any scripture for that. Just look at your class in school. And you know that women were beating you in school, so we don't need scripture for that. Right? As unto the weaker vessel, what I was talking about here is physically. That as the weaker vessel, so, and it says, being together, heirs of the grace of life, that your prayers will not hinder. So if you really look at this scripture there, and God told me to say this, is that Peter was addressing domestic violence. Because the way and manner in which a man has an upper hand over a woman in terms of her being a weaker vessel is that is in the area of physical strength, at least in most cases. All right? So, all right, the weaker vessel there. 
as many else together of the grace of life, it says that your prayers be not hindered. Now it goes on, verse 8, and then says, finally, be of all one mind, compassion one for another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Verse 9, it says, not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing. Uh, Contrarize there, it says, blessing, knowing that thereunto you are called, that you should inherit a blessing. And then it goes on in verse 10, and says, for he that will love life, and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Verse 11, it says, let him ensure evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensure it. Verse 12, it says, for the eyes of the Lord, and this is what I'm going to, are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against all them that do evil. Now, where I believe we have done great disservice to ourselves in the body of Christ doctrinally, I've said this before, I'll say it again, is that we have taken just a singular definition of the word righteousness and applied it to every usage of that word righteous or righteousness in the Bible, which is wrong. And what we are talking about is the justification, all right, by Christ and the making of us new creatures, and we've taken that to mean everything and used it everywhere. Such that when you read this scripture, what happens is, when the Bible says, for the eyes, now it says for, which means it's not in isolation, it's connecting with the things that went before. For the eyes of the Lord are over, his eyes are over the righteous, his ears open to their prayers. We just take that right word righteous there and say it means that anybody who is born again and is righteous of God in Christ, all right, and none of that, the Lord, all right, is over him and his Lord's, his ears are open to his prayers. And what that has done is that we have denied ourselves, all right, denied ourselves the, 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 the opportunity of cultivating spiritual intelligence and knowing spiritual things and understanding the mind of God. For we have discarded all of the qualities that he said prior to that time and simply said, once I can stand all right before God based on the blood of Jesus, this, all right, is fulfilled in my life. That's it. Now, so all that went before, we just discarded. But this scripture is not talking about that because it tells us in verse 7, how a man's prayers can be hindered. And he's still talking about prayers in this context. When he got to verse 12 and he says, his ears are open to their prayers, talking about righteous. And righteous here is talking about the way and manner in which this person is a righteous man. He is a just man, the way he deals, the way he relates with people. You don't see him speaking evil of people. You don't see him, all right, his tongue doesn't frame deceit. He doesn't, you know, stand as a false. Certain things in the scriptures there. I mean, if we're going to take that definition, then we have to apply it to everything in the Bible. So when we get to James, and the Bible was talking, teaching us, James was teaching us about prayer, and the prayer of faith, and the power of it. He said Elijah was a man of like passion, and he prayed, and it didn't rain, all right, for three years, and half years, then he prayed again, and then the rain started falling. And then he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man maketh much power available. I mean, Elijah wasn't under the blood covenant of Jesus, so he did not have that righteousness that was imparted through the sacrifice of Jesus. So that righteous, the way he used the word righteous for, for, for Elijah there, could not be in the context 
of the New Testament, the way we are using it now, just to mean, all right, it means that Elijah was a man who was righteous in his dealings. Elijah was a man, all right, who was fair. There was a way in which Elijah, he wasn't perfect, but in matters of being just in his dealings with people, this was a man that could be described in that way. He was a man that would get himself involved in gossip, the use of his tongue to destroy any person. There were certain qualities. You couldn't go to Elijah, all right, and give him some material things, all right, to pervert the way of judgment and all of that. There was no respect of persons there, right, with him there. He did what was just in the eyes of God as best as he could. And that was what gave him the grounds to be effective in the place of prayer. Now, when we begin to think that way, then we know we can investigate and discover things, massive things there, and get into the intelligence of God and understand how, how well the way we relate with ourselves. And that's what Jesus was saying, all right? The way we conduct our affairs. If I tell us children of this world are in their own generation, all right, wiser than children of, of, of light. And when you read what we're saying, which means the way they relate with themselves, they have a better grasp, all right, on the power of relationships and relating, all right, with one another. And the reason why we haven't developed that is that when we look at those scriptures that want to point us in that direction, we stop there and just say, well, this is what this righteousness means, all right, and base everything upon that particular thing. Even when the prayer is not producing any result, we refuse to change the doctrine. And that is when religion begins to set in, all right? And what that means is it's no longer being flexible with God. We are cast in that particular way. And so on, look at this. Jesus said, the kingdom and righteousness, which means seeking out how to be, 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 um, um, be just in your dealings. Last week we saw Joseph. He was a just man. And the Bible described what kind of man he was. That when he understood that Mary was pregnant and was engaged to Mary and the child didn't belong to him, that he knew, he said, I'm going to put her away. But being a just man, the Bible says he decided to do it privately. In other words, she's not going to come to any shame. In other words, I'm going to protect this woman. Even in my disengagement here, I will protect her. I will, I will make sure he was a just man. He was the kind of man who said, this is a you know, just man. He still covered her, even when he felt. Now, he was wrong in judgment, but in the justice there, he said he will cover her in iniquity, and nobody will hear from his own lips all right, what happened? And if you went to meet him and explained and all of that, he won't say anything. Even if they said, well, it was him that did it, he won't say, he will protect her. He said he decided, all right, to do it privately. Now, that's a just man. And, and, and it's because of that quality that was inside him that God knew that Jesus could come through this family. That's what he was saying about, about Abraham, that his whole family will be grounded in judgment and justice. They will be able to carry Right, what I have said concerning them. So we shouldn't discard these things. Uh, and this is what has happened. And when we injected that teaching of righteousness, all right, into the minds of people, all right, and people began to see it just in that one definition, at the self same time, 
we started to have some measure of deterioration in the character of people or in terms of their character within the church. People no longer paid any, they didn't lay any emphasis upon living right because they just felt, all right, that word righteousness covers everything and just continued in that particular way. So it's important, right? I, I read one somewhere that when you look at the distinctions between the brain of an animal and the brain of a man, I mean, it's a whole lot different, way a lot different in terms of development, but the part where you have the most significant difference is where you have social intelligence. In other words, that what really, all right, makes a man, right, gives him his closest uh, uh, resemblance to God is it is social intelligence. And that's correct because it's love. Uh, social intelligence meaning how he relates, all right, one with another, how they, they, they inter- he interact. And that's how you measure how civilized people are, uh, the kind of interaction that they have. Uh, and, 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 and the Bible talks about unrighteousness, talks about a man who went and, and, and you know, used laborers to, to gain wages and then discarded them and, and, and talked about the consequence, all right, of that. Now, we, if we began to think this way, then we started looking at righteousness this way, then we'll have developed systems that are very just, all right, in building companies. Christians will have come out with, with, with social intelligence there, have God haven't revealed to them levels in justice there and judgment. They will have put things in place that will have created enormous amount of wealth. And people will have wondered why. They say, well, it's based on the way we treat our staff. I mean, the whole essence of pension came out of a Scottish all right, church somewhere. Right? Uh, and what happened, all these insurance things, and what happened was that they looked at it, and one of the uh, priests died, and they saw the way the widow was suffering, and they said, this is not right. All right? Your husband lived, invested his life into this institution. There must be a way that, he, you, you know, his, his, his dependents should be able to benefit from the labor that he rendered and contributed to the building of this place. And so they started examining the system there, and they brought that out. So if we begin to look at that and, and look at justice and begin to understand this, I mean, James said it. He said, look, he said, you can't have the faith of God with respect of persons. That's injustice. You can't be operating in faith, and he says there's respect of persons there. He said, if you see somebody that came into your midst, and it was wearing, you know, good clothing, all right, the word used there is gay clothing, but if you say gay clothing now, people might misunderstand what you are saying. So let me say it in the right English word, good clothing, all right? Let's say you said gay clothing. Right. Gold clothing there, and it came out, comes there, and you say, go on now. Hear what James said. Go and sit there. Then you look at the poor man, you say, you go and sit over there. He said, you have become judges of evil thoughts there. He said, let me tell you what will happen. Right? Because every time you make a wrong judgment call, it will have consequences. He said, those rich people, number one, will blaspheme the worthy name. Now, he's not saying rich people. He's saying when you showed partiality to the rich, which means that, and they saw, all right, that you were behaving that way, you are going to open the door, all right, for them to act towards you in a particular way. Now, when the rich man came in, the rich man didn't come in because he wanted some distinction. He was the leader there that made the wrong judgment call. And because of that, he showed respect of person and opened the door to something. He says they will blaspheme one day the name by which you are called. And number two, he said they are going to drag you before the judgment seat. You will find that they are going to be in court 
based on that. So when we make decisions, if you see somebody who is qualified for the job, who understands how to do it best, there's nothing wrong with this chap. It's just that there's somebody else that you like and you prefer, which means as Paul, as Jim said, all right, there's partiality there. And you choose that person over against somebody that is qualified. Say so down the line, this is what James was saying, you are going to regret it. That person is going to behave in a certain way that you are going to look at it and that person will blaspheme the modern name by which you are called. That person will say things and you will tell yourself in the depth of your heart. I should have chosen this other person. This right, judgment here, my, my wrong judgment call, it has brought about repercussions. He was saying that because the throne of God is established. And any throne right, is established on judgment and justice. Then he went on again, all right, as he went on in uh, verse 8. He started going down, and James also alluded again about the royal law of the scripture. I will love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, you shall have mercy, all right, you shall have judgment without mercy, who has shown no mercy. He said, then he said, but mercy will rejoice against judgment. What he was saying here was that a person who has not been merciful in his life, which is what we talked about last week, when Nebuchadnezzar went to meet Daniel and said, judgment is on its way, what can I do? What Daniel was telling him was that there's a level of mercy that will rejoice against judgment, right? That go out and show mercy to the poor. Go out there and, and in your deal, it said, you will stay that judgment. And that's what James was saying here. He said, he shall have judgment. So some people do things and immediately the judgment comes. And that's because in their own conduct, they've shown no mercy. All right? He says, for mercy rejoiceth against judgment so we need to start teaching this i believe in nigeria if people begin to teach all right judgment and justice in god's dealings we will purify at least the people that come to church from corruption are you following what i'm saying if we make people understand because nigerians are religious all right but this teaching on righteousness has made people think you can behave anyhow and you know you can get away with it thank you for listening 